Hello, everyone, and welcome to Does Not Count a Survivor podcast. My name is Connor Wilson, and I'm your host. And today we'll be talking about episodes four and five of Survivor South Africa, Immunity Island, which, again, I would like to stress, it's wild that this is episode five. It feels like we're in the merge, almost, because people are playing so aggressively and like not aggressively just in some bad way they're not over they're not for the most part let's let let's word it that way for the most part they're not overplaying uh i have concerns about santony um but for the most part i feel like people are putting themselves in a position where they can be playing aggressively without playing too aggressively without putting too much heat on them, right? Obviously, we saw that not work out for one of our two people who got voted out. Uh, but overall, it's just so, it's like, you know, lightning in a bottle, electricity. Um, I do want to comment, as you probably noticed, if you're one of the zero people listening to this podcast, it's a little joke. Um, this is, again, two episodes. And the reason for this is I figured that it will actually suit. Um, the pacing better. I won't talk for quite as long. I'll honestly, my website that I use to upload podcasts won't limit me in terms of how many hours of podcast I can upload a month. Um, but it will just work better if I do every two episodes and then set the premiere and the finale separate. Um, I am going to say though that the metal table is still awarded the week that I watched the previous episode. So those medals are not influenced by the episode and then the episode after that. Those medals are just based on that episode. Um, With that said, let's talk about the episodes. So talking fairly briefly about episode four, uh, this is, again, one of several episodes... um, in this past run that has been really focused on Zamba. And it's obvious why, uh, which is that Zamba keeps going to tribal council. And let me just say, without that double tribal council twist in episode five, I truly think there was a non-zero chance that Zamba would have gone to every single tribal council until the merge. Uh, I still think there's a chance that Vuna could go the rest of this pre-merge without ever going to tribal council because they're just so much more stacked in terms of challenge competition. Like, the reward challenge in this episode really shows it with Dino and Marisha, where, you know, Marisha has a challenge performance that is dominant in to a degree that you really see in Survivor, uh, where she basically single-handedly wins this challenge for the tribe. She overpowers Roita, she overpowers Chappie, she overpowers everyone. Uh, so they have Marisha, who is bar none the strongest physical player in the game, which is going to serve her well through the pre-merge, probably will cause her trouble at the merge. They have Nicole, who is surprisingly athletic, I'll say that. Very good at endurance challenges, as we see in episode 5. Very good at balance. Uh, definitely has survivor skills. We have Dino, who is by far the strongest puzzle competitor in this game. We have Rainier, who's a physical powerhouse uh, and a very and seemingly a very intelligent. He's an engineer. He's probably somebody who can, who I feel will probably be good at puzzles. It's hard to tell because we haven't seen anyone other than Dino really excel at puzzles. In part because Dino's the only one who's really been given the opportunity to excel at puzzles. Well, Dino, and then we also see Kian who tends to be right alongside Dino winning the, tribe, winning the puzzle for the tribe. Uh, and then we got um, Kieran, who's great in these challenges. Basic, you know, great with the rings. Uh, and we have Tyson, who's physically strong as well. Anesu, I mean, even Anesu is a strong challenge competitor. And Zamba has some people who are good at challenges. I mean, they've got Chappies, they've got Smash... To a degree, they've got Sean, although they didn't in episode four um, because of his um, pumpkin allergy. But they also just have more of the players who struggle in challenges. Uh, 
and they're so outmatched in challenges that it does kind of give me the sort of Kaur Oolong vibe, where Kaur was just physically in challenges and puzzle-wise and in every other way so much ahead of where Oolong was that I could see Zamba kind of getting Oolong through the pre-merge, um, which is going to be good for some people and bad for some others. Um, <laughs> but either way, uh, certainly... Zamba doesn't do particularly well in this challenge, right? Certainly, Zamba doesn't do particularly well at the reward challenge, where, like I said, Marisha really overpowers them physically in just about every way. Uh, and Marisha and Dino also use it as a great way to build this two-way connection, which I think, if there's payoff on that, could be very interesting, could serve them very well going down the road. It could just be literally two people having a personal connection, which sometimes happens, you know, they don't have to work together. But if they do, it could benefit both of them in the right context, right? There are certain contexts where it might hurt them, but in these contexts, I think it's going to help them. Meanwhile, Zamba, uh, let's talk about the main strategic thread through both of these episodes, which is Amy, Smash, and Sean pretty much running the show, going from a minority to a parody. And probably next week, you know, knocking on wood for them to a majority on the tribe. They're essentially in control. And part of the mechanism of control is Santini being willing to flip. And Santini certainly is playing a very exciting game, seems to have a lot of control over where the votes are going. She's able to really dictate the direction of these votes. She has a clear plan to knock out the duo so it can be an individual game. I'm just not sure how sustainable this plan is, that I can very easily see people, especially at this point, now that, uh, and I guess I'm just going to kind of talk about the episodes in a mass, now that Paul and Chappies are split up. Uh, now that Kyla and Wadda are split up. Now that um, Chappies is maybe closer with Santini, that Santini is now his closest connection. I could see there being an argument that these three make that, well, what's going to serve us better? Voting out Wadda, voting out Chappies, voting out Santini. And Santini might be the one that they see, well, Santini's the biggest troublemaker. At the same time, it's entirely possible because Sean does seem to be a loose cannon. Um, Sean could turn around and Sean could try and work with Wadda, could work with Chappies, could work with Santini, could work with, um, could, they could work as a foursome and turn on this smash Amy duo. I don't necessarily anticipate that happening, but... I think it could happen. Uh, the strategy in this vote is sort of interesting because it really is a good old-fashioned motivated by, yes, strategic concerns, but more importantly, by personal concerns, right? That Paul's not following banana etiquette, basically. <laughs> that Paul's getting a banana, and he's getting two bananas, and he's eating two bananas, and he's eating all the food, and he's hanging out around camp, and he's whiffing the puzzle portion of that hilariously sponsored Bright's Hardware Immunity Challenge. Uh, and it's just not a great look for him, right? It's not great strategy. It's putting himself really out on the line uh, in a way that maybe he shouldn't be, right? Um, well, obviously he shouldn't have been. The most interesting thing strategically that happens this episode, really, which isn't the vote, because the vote in many ways is straightforward for most of the people involved, right? Santini, one, doesn't necessarily get along super well with Paul personally. Two, definitely is concerned about Paul and Chappies being closer than she and Chappies, or indeed being close at all. Carlin would that don't like Paul and it's in the interest of the Zamba 3 to get out an original Vuna. So it really ends up being a pretty easy vote when all is said and done. Yes, Smash votes with Chappies and Paul against Wadda, but 
in the end, that's more of a vote to convince Chappies that Smash is still on his side. And I get why this could kind of be a sort of contentious move, right? About is this a good move? Is this a bad move for Smash? But my opinion is that I think it's basically a good move. It makes me think a little bit, it's different, but it makes me think of like Ben and Triple H, right? Or uh, really Ben and Triple H, honestly. There's not another super obvious comparison that springs immediately to mind here. That that's a moment where this minority is convinced that Ben's on their side, so there's a double agent, so there's somebody who ultimately ends up building a bond with them, but he ends up building a bond with them in a way that doesn't necessarily seem too super obvious to the other members of his alliance. Uh, We'll see if it comes back to bite him in the long run, if maybe there start being tensions within that Zomba 3, where maybe Amy feels resentful, where maybe Santony's like, well, we can target Smash, we're in the late merge, we're not winning challenges anyway, why are we keeping around the rugby player? Rugby coach, sorry. But on balance, I think it's a good move, not necessarily a great move, but a good move, and definitely an interesting move. And I think it is, to a certain degree, key to what makes Chappies willing to work with them going forward, even though I do think Chappies is more of a pragmatic player than he is an emotional one, uh, I still think he might have been more wary of uh, working with a group of people who had blindsided him completely if he didn't feel like he had some degree of in, some degree of loyalty, some innate connection to Smash, uh, who I will also point out, I think has been, when I look back at my points I've awarded is sorely underrepresented, and I uh, want to make it clear that if somehow he ends up going out without any medals, that's a complete, like, fluke, because he's played a really solid, solid game that I think, I hope, we'll continue to see more of Smash just killing it in the post-merge. In the merge, in the post-merge, in the rest of this pre-merge. Um, but... The most interesting strategic thing that happens here is Carl is giving up and go. Um, yeah. It's interesting, right? Because def- in retrospect, uh, and the metal tables will make it clear that I was not thinking in retrospect. In retrospect, not an ideal move, right? Because it maybe shows her off as somebody who's trying too hard somebody who's telling these unnecessarily lies, unnecessary lies, kind of like how Amy did with, um, which was with um, the losing the challenge and leading to the tribe raid, which was a blemish on an otherwise pretty spotless game (laughs) that Amy's played. But with Carla, this lie seems even more confusing to me because if she goes out there thinking, I'm going to get this immunity island idol, I'm going to play like I have immunity anyway, and then I'm still going to act like I'm going to vote. Even though she pretty much, and she really should have known this, that like it's so obvious that this fluke is going to get blown at Tribal Council because there's no way the basic mechanic of the... Uh, the basic mechanic of the twist can function without Nico saying that, Carla, you are not immune. Do you want to bequeath this immunity to anyone? Uh, and I will say she made the right move not bequeathing it because that would have thrown all the votes on her. But she made the wrong move probably in retrospect trying to uh, play like she was immune because obviously Chappies was going to see that. Santhony and Amy knew that wasn't true, and even, if they were voting, even though they were voting with her, they're not people that she can look at as going to be working with her the entire time. It's obvious that this... Zomba Alliance had kind of missed it her, right? That we see with how close she is with Sean, that clearly she thought she could trust Sean. It's clear that she really thought she could trust Amy and that Amy wouldn't turn on her, that she could, to a certain degree, have trust in Santony, or at least that Santony wouldn't think to um, flip on her, which incidentally is a great thing Santony is doing here, which is um, acting like she, basically like she has... an emotional strategy instead of a uh, calculated one. 
that Santini is able to frame it like, oh, I'm not getting along with this group. They're putting me, they're treating me like their puppet. Uh, I never really vibed with them. I, in my heart, I knew I should be working with these group and not this group. But she's doing a great job at making people at least, at least so far the people who've been voted out, it seems, think that she's thinking with her heart and not her head. Uh, when, of course, she's doing the opposite. But on balance, you can say this is a good episode for Carla because she breaks up Chappie's and Paul's twosome and seemingly has a path towards being in a tighter alliance or maybe she can vote out Chappie's next time and at least make it another episode. Obviously, that didn't happen because of Santony and Amy. But... Um, it's, it's overall, it's a good vote. And it's a bad tribal council for Chappies. Obviously, it's a bad tribal council for Paul with the whole word, the misogyny question, which was interesting watching because Warder really kind of says it and then backs away. That she says, I think there was definitely a little bit of misogyny, um, which is kind of like she wants to cut it out, but then she doesn't know if it was like that main of a factor. And I get what Chappies is trying to do here at the Tribal Council, that he's trying to kind of play both sides, that he's trying to not be a jerk, but also not alienate, as far as he knows, his alliance member who he's going to have to still work with. But what he ends up doing is kind of come off a little condescending where he's like no she's got a point but like if you had only really taken us and made us listen um which yeah it felt like he was kind of missing the point of what what they were saying because that's what they were doing um and who knows if it was misogyny i don't know that it was necessarily like conscious misogyny Uh, it might have been a little bit of thinking of like subconscious it might have just been heat of the moment it might even just have been that one voice mentality, right? That James Clement one voice mentality of like, I'm the person working on the puzzle, do not interrupt me, kind of getting in there. But they definitely should have been listening to Wilder. They definitely should have been listening to Carla and Amy uh, when it came to building the puzzle. And again, I do think they were strongly hurt in that challenge by the fact that Sean wasn't there. And Nesu says as much to Sean on the bench. And I think she's 100% right, Um, which... As a side note, wow, that was wild watching Sean's allergic reaction to that pumpkin. I've never seen anything like that on Survivor, uh, which in some ways is kind of remarkable. It's when you consider how many seasons they've done of these shows in so many different countries that you'd think more people would have allergic reactions, you know? Especially when you think about the fact that like some of the things they eat on Survivor are like shellfish and stuff like that, that I would say allergic reactions are pretty, like, relatively common among people. Like, they're not super rare. I've never heard of an allergic reaction to pumpkin. But, um, yeah, that was fascinating. And I totally get why they didn't want him to compete in that specific challenge right after he'd had treatment for this allergic reaction when they weren't 100%, like, about his condition. Um, But it definitely hurt the tribe. It didn't hurt him strategically because the vote still went the way he wanted it to go. But, uh, yeah, overall, a really interesting episode for a lot of people on Zamba and an okay episode for some people on Vuna. Like, a really good episode for Marisha and Dino, not a lot of content from anyone else. Um, so what I did metal-wise in that episode was that I gave my bronze to Santini um, because, I, like I said, she definitely was a key factor in flipping that vote, and in some ways I think it's a really good piece of strategic arithmetic by her. In other ways, I think she could have stuck with Paul and Chappies and gotten out, maybe gotten some other people on board for this vote, had maybe just a more interesting... Not more interesting, but maybe a more stable path and one that didn't necessarily expose her as a flipper too early because even if people don't necessarily understand just how much strategic calculus she's putting into it, they're still going to see her 
as somebody who's liable to flip, as somebody who might be unpredictable. So that's why I'm not too big on it, but that's also, but I still think it was a good move. Um, Silva, I gave to Moesha because, like I said, not only do I think she made that, she made a really good social connection with Dino, uh, did a good thing by getting the tribe even more on her side by winning that challenge, but her performance in that challenge was just so physically dominant that I felt like I needed to award it. I thought it was just great. Um, so absolutely, Marisha gets that silver. And then Carla, I did give the gold because I do think, at least at the moment, it seemed to be putting Carla in a great position going forward in the game. As we saw from next episode, that was not the case. And the strategy that went, the strategy that went into that, I think we've mostly talked about, right? It's Santony wanting to break up these duos. It's Santony going back to this group. Um, in a lot of ways, it's also Santony knowing that Carla is somebody who kind of sees her for what she is, which is a game player, right? That Carla tells Amy, like, maybe we should go for Santony. Uh, and what I love is Amy going right back to Santony and being like, yeah, Carla's targeting you, but don't worry, we're voting her out. Which, again, Amy's like a quiet little subtle kingpin uh, on this tribe, that she is able to go to these people... She's able to really, like, work this group and make them trust her. And obviously, Sean plays a big part of that. Obviously, Smash plays a big part of that. But Amy does feel like the leader at this point. Who knows if that's a good thing or a bad thing? In some ways, it's not the worst. So when you compare, like, the two tribes and the respective Zamba alliances on those tribes that Rainier's probably in a more dangerous position, in a more precarious position as the leader because he's Rainier, the obvious likable superfan who's also a physical beast and social and strategic. Whereas Amy is a lot of those things, but she's not as obvious, and she's also in a position where Sean's maybe more boisterous, where Smash is more physically imposing, even like the Rainier is more physically imposing, that there's just probably other people who would be targets ahead of her. So I feel good about Amy's position. Obviously, as always, worried about a leader. But I don't think she makes it too obvious, especially because Sean talks so much at Tribal Council that like I think about that Tribal Council where Sean, for some reason, decides to go really hard against Vuna and go really like, yeah, these people are the jury. And basically paint a target on the backs of every Zamba. And also do something really interesting where he's making people... He's kind of helping Anesu and Kieran and Tyson, potentially. Because he might be planning in the heads of people like Kian, people like um, Dino, who know that they're kind of on the bottom of that Zomba supermajority alliance that well maybe it's time to not stick Zomba strong and maybe it's time to work with some of these Vuna people to give us the edge so very interesting very interesting dynamic there but Sean definitely puts himself out there more as a target and this is why Sean is the best some of the best television of the season because he's such a great survivor character so self so confident which is what makes a great survivor character, right? It, it's what makes Coach. It's what makes Angelina. It's what makes Tanya. It's what makes Nicole Kappa. It's just fascinating watching Sean. I love every second he's on screen, basically. But anyway, the point is that Sean is this obvious loudmouth, whereas Amy is able to stay relatively quiet, so she's a quiet leader. But she's still definitely a leader. And, yeah, this vote in general is pretty straightforward, strategic, and by far the best people, the people it's best for are those three Zombas, for Sean, for Smash, for Amy. It's pretty good for Santony. It's pretty good for Paul. I mean, I mean for Sh Chappie, sorry. <laughs> it's not anything for Paul. Paul's gone. <laughs> 
But it's great for Chappies, actually, because he doesn't get voted out. And it's not good for Wurda, who does not have her one ally uh, on her tribe anymore. She has some allies on the other tribe, but since her best strategy at this point is basically to wait it out, not a great spot for her to be in. I don't have a lot to say about this vote because, yeah, Carlos was a very exciting strategist, very exciting character, great facial expressions, great reactions, gave off a real, like, Boston Rob, mob boss vibe. But she played hard enough, like, pretty hard, and people noticed. And, like... As much as you want to say she did, she didn't really do anything wrong other than play hard, uh, which is hard to say that that's ever really doing anything wrong when you, to a certain degree, kind of have to. Talking about playing hard, let's talk about Puna. Um, yeah, let's... So, it's fascinating because in some ways Teresa is such an obvious vote, right? Uh... And yet there's so many dynamics going on here. So I want to actually do something a little different. And I'm going to go through every member of this tribe and talk about what's their spot in it. And I'm going to go from, like, just in a general order. That Let's start with Teresa. So Teresa made a lot of mistakes, right? Uh, and a lot of those go back very early, where she did a bad job kind of actively putting herself on the outs in the alliance, recognizing that she was kind of on the outs by just the personal connections people were naturally making, and then seemingly not doing very much to integrate herself. And then she loses, you know, she does not have a vote this tribal council, which isn't great, which probably causes her to play more erratically than she needs to. Uh, the weirdest thing she does is this kind of idle fake out thing where she like play, she like gets them to, she gets Tyson to give her the parchment to an idol, which is just so interesting to me in one way. But then she plays it so weirdly. We're like, yeah, a lot of people seem to think she has an idol. A lot of people don't. It ends up being the thing that kind of enables her vote out. Uh, because some people are able to put themselves out there as they're like sacrificial lambs in case she does have an idol. Quote, unquote, in case she has an idol. Again, we'll get to that because the arithmetic, the mental arithmetic from that level, from that is... So fascinating. But then we also have this moment where this thing where Teresa really is playing so hard, trying to play so many sides, suddenly trying to play so many sides, talking to Dino, talking, kind of threatening Marisha, uh, talking a lot to Tyson, being very kind of withholding with Tyson, doing all these kinds of things, where now Tyson doesn't trust her either, right? Where... She's not in the alliance. Nobody trusts her. Everyone at one point thought she could be a number, right? Nicole approached her that one time and seemed to maybe bring her on as somebody who could be with them for some votes. Clearly, Kieran and Tyson thought that she could be somebody who could be with them for a vote. But she does just just does so much that she makes herself basically unworkable for everyone's strategy. It's kind of like Jason, um, episode one, or... I mean, really, like, Jason episode one is the closest comparison here, right? Where he, she's somebody who should be a really good prospect for a lot of people, and yet isn't. Um, and a lot of that's her own actions, that she just has this good ability, this ability to read the social game, but she's not great at putting into action what she reads, uh, that she's a great theorist, but not necessarily an ideal strategist. So that's person number one. Person number two, we have Anesu. Anesu um, obviously isn't a lot of... Anesu isn't really involved in the strategy of this vote, right? Because she doesn't have a vote. And she goes to Immunity Island, which I thought it was very smart of her to go to Immunity Island um, to participate in that, 
And I thought the way in general people played that was pretty smart. During that reward challenge where you either play for, for food reward or for Immunity Island. I thought that was really smart that she chose to play and that nobody else did. Maybe you could have said it might have been worthwhile in retrospect for like Carla or for someone on that tribe to try, but it didn't seem to really matter. And besides, everyone thought they were totally secure. But it was smart because all the people in the majority on Vuna know that they're not going home. Like Rainier pretty much knows he's not going home today. Marisha definitely isn't going home. Nicole's not going home. Dino's probably not going to go home. Keon's not. Um, but they need somebody to play for Immunity Island, right? Somebody has to. And so when Teresa does, who definitely needs it, it's got to be one of those bottom three. But it can't be too many of them, right? And it definitely can't be Tyson, because he's got an immunity idol. Um, if he goes to Immunity Island, then that idol's out of play. This minority loses the biggest thing they have to make a strategic move at this tribal council that could either put them in a stronger position or integrate themselves with this majority. Uh, so with Anesu being the one going to, to Immunity Island, she's able to um, ensure that Teresa doesn't, that the easy target remains a possibility. Or, you know, and again, she doesn't know she doesn't have a vote. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She could even be thinking so that our number remains in play. But in general, it's just a good play. And she does do very well at that memory challenge. I mean, she does so... It's like... Like, quick, quick, quick. Uh, so remarkable. And she does a great... So she wins... I think they call it Tribal Council Pass, but it's Safety Without Power with a, with a less exciting name. Uh, which I'm very excited to see, because I think Safety Without Power is one of the most interesting advantages the show has ever introduced, because it takes the um, mechanic of the immunity idol and it twists it around so that you have to maybe make more of a balancing judgment, right? That you have to decide, is, it, is safety worth it at this moment? Um, or is it better for me to stay? and risk it for the sake of my numbers, for the sake of the rest of my... But, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing where Nessu goes from here. For the most part, she's not super clued into this vote, and yet it benefits her because she's part of this group. I don't know if it benefits her as well as it benefits other people because... She wasn't there. She wasn't able to be there for the strategizing. Uh, so it's interesting. Marisha and Nicole, I actually am kind of going to talk about Marisha and Nicole as an entity here. Um, not just because they're like the two blonde women, but because really the decisions seem to be kind of the same the impact seems to be kind of the same for both of them to different degrees because they're both people who are relatively athletic with strong social games and who are part of this core three that both gets their way with this vote and is possibly put in a more precarious position by this vote. Definitely Marisha going kind of all out with the whole a cat has one life speech, which I love that speech. I love Marisha's insane turns of phrases that she pulls out. Like, I feel like I know that I'm not pregnant or whatever it was that she said um, in episode one. But um, it's interesting because they go along with this plan. Again, that they should be really the ones dictating who's going home, and yet it does feel like this plan is entirely devised by a group of players who are ostensibly in, like, not just the minority, but a minority of two. Uh, and yet they're able to kind of pilot this supermajority into the direction that they want and the direction that's going to keep them in the game, that's going to maximize their social capital, maximize their options. Uh, 
And then we talk about Rainier, who's kind of the third part of that trio. And I like Rainier to a certain degree, but I'm not sure if he really fully grasps his position in the game because he does think that he has the fullest picture of what's happening. Um, and I think it's really telling that very clearly when Tyson tells him about the idol, he seems to actually think that he's the only person Tyson has told and that he has this special connection with Tyson that no other player has, uh, which clearly, obviously, we know isn't true. And I don't know, I'm always worried when a player thinks that they have all of the information unless... They actually do, right? Unless they're Yul Kwan, unless they're um, Rob Bentele. You know, that there's a few players in Survivor history who have been able to say, I know everything that's happening, and be right. Uh, and I'm not sure that Rainier Lurens is quite at that point right now. Uh, in fact, I know he's not, because there's key information that he's missing. Um, in general, Rainier's position is again both strengthened and weakened, or at the very least kept the same and also weakened, because he's ceding some power and yet also not losing his too much of his uh, tribal majority. He's still voting out a Zamba, which is not good for him because he should be trying to vote out one of the two players who he can vote out. But that's not what he's doing because he thinks he's tight with... He's super tight with Tyson in his mind. He's pretty tight with Kieran. Um, I don't know what his relationship with Inesu is. But it's very interesting in terms of... I almost think he value he might value Kian over some of these other players. I mean, he might value some of these um, old Vuna players over someone like Kian. Um, which I do want to talk about Kian and Dino. And I want to talk about them also as kind of a pair, because I think even though they have pretty different experiences, there's also real similarities. So Kian uh, tells Tyson about the vote, which, first of all, really interesting. Kian clearly has some kind of connection with Tyson, who seems to have a connection with just about everyone he talks to. (laughs) But that's... Strategically worth noting. Uh, Keon's always been on the bottom since day one, since she and Sean were the ones who searched for idols. And unlike Sean, she hasn't been, a, been put in a position where she can consolidate her um, placement and work more closely with other people and get into that inner sanctum. She's remained on the periphery. And she's kind of gotten chewed out a little bit by Nicole in this episode. Not super, but a little bit, right? Well, maybe you can see Keon thinking, well, they don't trust me that much, right? And obviously she did something to make them not trust her, which could end up impacting the way she reads it. But it still stands that she's... There's definitely a little bit of a distance that the whole uh, frenzy around organizing this Teresa vote creates between uh, Kion and the three main Zamba Alliance members on the Vuna tribe. And then with Dino, who also seems to be on the outside, um, like, for example, he's so paranoid about Teresa being the one, Teresa writing his name down as a target, right? He's so paranoid that he's going to be the one who goes home And he's been that every time. Part of that's just his natural paranoia, which is definitely creating a rift between him and every other player in the game to a certain extent, even though he's also a really charming guy, a very funny guy, and not just saying this because he follows me on Twitter. Um, But he's very charming and funny, but he also is paranoid, uh, which is definitely putting him kind of on the outside of that in-group. And... When Tyson tells him at Tribal Council about the fact that he, um, that he should vote for Tyson because Tyson has the idol, he seems truly shocked. He seems like when he says that no one let him in on the vote, it seems like that's true, that he was almost viewed as an incidental, that he didn't need to be kept 
all the way up to date, which is primarily a failing of those three, if that's the case. Maybe he's just talking about the Tyson having an idol part of it. Maybe he knows he's supposed to vote for Tyson, but he starts thinking maybe he's supposed to vote for Teresa. But it's just very interesting in terms of definitely these three are leaving two people, Keon and Dino, further and further on the outside of their tight alliance. On the other hand, we have Tyson and we have Kieran. Let's start with Tyson. I already talked about some of the things I liked about Tyson's game this episode when I was talking about Rainier. Because I love how Tyson builds this one-on-one with Rainier and makes Rainier think that they're a duo to a certain degree, right? And makes Rainier think he's telling him things he hasn't told anyone else in this game. And then he also seems to have these connections with Kian. He seems to... He definitely has this connection with Kira, and he's able to play an idol successfully to keep himself in the game. He um, is definitely putting himself in a position where he's able to not be the... Like, where he is the target, but he's able to not be the target in a certain way. Where he's very further down the line, insulated, especially now that he doesn't have an idol. Because the fact that he went out searching that one day, which seems to have escaped everyone's mind in this episode, by the way, because they're so convinced that Teresa has the idol, uh, that they stopped thinking about how suspicious it was when Tyson went out there and just, like, searched for a while. (laughs) But they're so suspicious of Teresa, they're now so, they now know that Tyson doesn't have an idol, that I could easily see it taking a lot of the heat off of Tyson, at least for the time being, especially if they think, well, we're winning challenges. Our prior- if we manage to lose another immunity, then our priority should be keeping the challenge, the tribe strong. Maybe we vote out Keon first. Maybe we vote out Anesu first, uh, which neither of those are like perfect situations for Tyson, but they're not bad ones either because he's still in the game and he's not the target. It's, it's just very interesting. And it's very interesting, too, in terms of uh, just, I don't know, just how impressive, how consistently impressive Tyson's social game is. Just how naturally he seems to be able to connect with people, which he says on episode one. But when someone says that so plainly, you kind of doubt them. You kind of think they might be exaggerating. They might be misreading their own ability. But... He, I mean, he, he walks the walk, you know. He really is playing a master, a great social game, and I would be excited to see him keep it up. Of course, the real star of this episode is Kieran. Oh, Kieran. Kieran, there's so many things that are so cool, and there's a certain degree to which you can say, is this too big of a move for episode five? And, like, maybe. But it's also a really good move, and it's one where you can't help but admire the pure audacity of it. And the quiet audacity in a certain way. So, let's look at all of these things. So, Kieran clearly, based on the fact that he's part of this split-the-vote strategy that these people, that the Zomba Alliance is talking about, that he's a part of a lot of strategic talks that pretty much everyone on this tribe is having, he's pretty well insulated. Most people see him as part of their group. Uh, and who knows, which also leaves him with a lot of options. It doesn't leave me quite as worried as when we saw Nessu in everybody's group just be, in episode one, just because we're not hearing so much about, like, and I'm in an alliance with this, and I'm in an alliance with that, and da 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 But we are just seeing him seemingly sort of passively being a part of people's alliances and being a part of people's plans in a way that probably bodes well for him, unless it doesn't, because who knows what's about South Africa. Ha ha. <laughs> but... Um, on top of that, he's, Rainier thinks he knows what's going on. Kieran is the only person who knows what's going on on this tribe, right? He knows Tyson has an idol. He knows that everyone wants, that obviously these Zombas are going to want Abuna out. He knows that Teresa's on the outside. He knows Teresa doesn't have an idol. He knows everyone thinks she does because she has the clue. So he's able to make this play um, to 
put all the votes, to put four votes on Tyson, have Tyson play the idol, put himself out there as the sacrificial lamb expectation to two vote, and then Teresa out on revote. One bit of information he doesn't know is that Teresa lost her vote, which ends up being even better for him accidentally, right? Because now he doesn't even have to worry about people sticking with him on a revote and maybe getting to a point where they're like, well, actually, maybe we're going to vote out Kieran. Uh, now that you say it. Now he and Tyson, the two people from Vuna who are voting in this tribal council, who are in like a steep minority on this tribe, are able to dictate the outcome of this tribal council single-handedly. It's like it's a, it's a master class. It's remarkable. It's um, somebody who knows every chess piece on the board and is able to manage them perfectly, right? This is, at least at this moment, he might not be able to keep it up, but this is that Yorquan Rab Bentele, Vastin Rab Mariano energy of like, I know every individual thing that is happening in this game right now. I have accounted for all of the possibilities. I've even accounted for like things, like it's just so remarkable. It's social gameplay, it's strategic gameplay, it's just brilliant. Um, I, Kieran was an early favorite of mine, a preseason favorite from a lot of the preseason press, um, and he's certainly lived, in this episode alone, he's lived up to the expectation. Who knows if he'll be able to maintain this going forward? I am hopeful, but how remarkable, right? He's integrated himself so tightly within this tribe. And it's in a position where you have people like Kian, like Dino, who maybe see themselves a little bit on the outside and who might feel more on the outside when they hear somebody like Sean being like, this is all the jury, we're a tight group. Um, where you can easily imagine a situation where maybe they are all able to vote. Next time they go to tribal council, they all have their vote. And you're able to bring, keep Tyson, bring Keon, bring Dino on board. Or if, you know, Anesu goes to tribal council, I mean, Anesu goes to Muni Island uh, and stays in plays, you still have those four. Same with if Keon does, or if Tyson does, or if Dino does, where you really are able to um, maneuver a uh, flip on that tight three majority, maybe get out of Nicole, maybe get out of Aenea. Nicole's probably, in my opinion, the smartest vote out of that group. Alternatively, they could wait a week, they could get the vote onto Keon, and then next time that they go to tribal council after Keon goes home, again, these three now can try to flip, can flip Dino or can flip Rainier even, maybe, and vote out on Nicole, vote out on Marisha, maybe saying, we're really close to the merge, do you really want Marisha uh, competing against you in individual immunity challenges? So, Kieran has done an absolutely remarkable job at, I mean, in an alliance of three that only has two votes, basically controlling this vote, putting himself in a exponentially stronger position, and at the same time delivering great television and some of the most masterful theater that Survivor has ever seen. So, yeah. I mean, almost without saying, it's, I almost don't have to say what the medal count is, but I will anyway. Bronze medal this episode goes to Amy. Uh, because, like I said, she seems to be the leader of that Zomba 3 on the original Zomba tribe. And she definitely has this great social gameplay where she's able to play Carla and get Carla to trust her and go to Santini and get Santini to trust her. And it doesn't seem like she's breaking people's trust, even though she's lied to their faces before. Uh, And maybe they're just dismissing that whole... Uh, kerfuffle with the reward, you know, with the um, tribal raid situation. 
as like really just nervousness, just I don't want to I don't want to say I lost, stuff like that. I was embarrassed. Maybe they're taking that to heart. But Amy's just in a really solid position. I only put her at bronze because I think the gameplay on Vuna was both was just more exciting and more dynamic and more interesting. And I don't really have to explain a lot about why I gave the silver and gold their respective medals because I think their gameplay speaks for themselves and because I think I spent so much of this podcast explaining exactly why. Silver medal I'm giving to Tyson because, yeah, he played, he's played such a good social game. He had a successful idol play. And he's tightly, he's, I think, pretty insulated. Um, with a good one-on-one connection with Kieran, with Anesu, with Kian, with Arania. And then gold, of course, goes to the mastermind of this episode, uh, Kieran Naidu. And, you know, enough said about that, because I really think I could talk for hours and not really exhaust my praises. So, as a quick medal recap, five players have exited without medals. Jason, Pinty, Mike, Paul, and Teresa. Medal standings as they are right now. Um, I'll start by saying that our medal leader, uh, who is out of the game, Carla has 10 medals, has 10 points. Um, so, you know, that's fun. <laughs> Someone will overtake her next week is almost, almost certain. Someone will at least... Someone will probably tie her next week, if nothing else. Uh, tomorrow, wow. Today, huh? <laughs> but, uh, excising Carla... The medal table right now is Sean with one, Tyson with three, Marisha with three, Santoni with four, Chappies with six, and Amy and Kieran at the top with nine. Uh, again, I think this is pretty representative of who the big players in this season have been. I think it doesn't give enough credit to Smash. It doesn't give enough credit to Rainier or to Nicole or to Anesu. But... Uh, they've also people who are playing quieter games, I think, and games that maybe rely more on quiet, subtle social moves that will pay off in the uh, merge if they get there. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to this week's episode. Looking forward to what they mean by Santony's new nemesis. Uh, looking forward to really whatever twists and turns this game have to offer. It's such a great season. Uh, what a brilliant return to Survivor form. Anyway, yeah. As I say every week, or every two weeks, peace out, Survivor Land.